Welcome to the First Vine Psychic Podcast for 2020. Today we'll be talking a bit about the psychic line industry and in particular some of Vine's early experiences of working on big business psychic lines. Hello Vine. G'day and hello listeners. Well you've been running a successful psychic business for more than 13 years now. You worked on the first big psychic line in Australia but before we talk about what that was like What were you doing beforehand that led up to you working for Psychic Lines? Well, that depends on whether we're talking about just the last few years or my earlier um, spiritual history of how I came to be working on the Psychic Lines. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. I had been travelling around Australia and lived in Sydney and Cairns for several years before I returned to Melbourne. I suppose you would call that my walkabout time without wanting to offend first people using the term. Yes, I see on your website you talk about universal consciousness, but what happened next? I awoke from my sleep and I felt an energy presence in my room, which was my spiritual guardian, and I was receiving channeling that it was time for me to learn about the traditional spiritual arts. So I left my parents' home I travelled for the first time on my own and I went and lived like a nomad. In this case, I lived in a camping ground in Cairns and ventured out into the rainforests in northern Queensland. North Queensland. That's a long way from your home in Melbourne. What was the weather like for you? Was it hot? Was it humid? The humidity was stifling and I used to walk around with light clothing and often barefoot. I would visit the Cascades and swim in the water and I met other travellers like myself who found a similar calling as my own to uproot themselves and live life simply for a while. And all this time I guess the traditional spiritual side of things was right there with you. Do you have any memories from back then that can give us an understanding of what the traditional spiritual arts are? Does anything come to mind? I learnt about the ley lines and the magnetic fields that are directly related to nature. I was guided by my higher guardians to get in touch with my natural healing ability. And there is one experience that stands out. Can you tell me about that? Well, I can recall one day there was a fellow camper who had fallen off his motorbike and was slightly injured from the fall. Without any prompting from me, he asked if I could help ease the pain and I reached out to get some anti-inflammatory ointment. And then suddenly I could feel healing energy coming out of my hands. Now I need to stress, I never trained in any type of healing or did a Reiki course. This is all natural. Well, everybody probably knows what Reiki is. So is it anything like Reiki? How does your healing energy manifest itself? Well, it's a clear sense and I could energetically feel the pain that was coming from the the camper's knee. And then when I moved my hand to hover above the location of the pain without touching him, um, like a spiritual vacuum, the healing energy just rushed through my hands and directly into this man's injury. He looked at me and I looked at him because we both could energetically feel what was going on. And then the pain started to ease and we were in a moment of complete silence. I 
I never told people I was born with heightened energy. That moment was awkward because we both knew what had happened and we were just staring at each other. So you just kept it all to yourself? You never told anyone? I never went out of my way to discuss I was born with heightened clairsensors or what probably people know as heightened energy. That was between me and my higher spiritual guardians. I had some close friends who knew the type of spiritual encounters I had But when it came to socialising, I would drink beer, share barbecue meals and talk about everyday stuff. So when you gave that healing, it must have felt strange revealing your spiritual self to a complete stranger. Well, not so much a stranger, because we did build up a friendship living in close proximity. He was a bit of a charmer though. Out to get the most out of life. I'm sure he thought he was putting the moves on me when he asked me to put some anti-inflammatory ointment on his body. Um, But that awkward pause is sort of like what you see in the movies. When the healing stopped, he didn't know what had happened. He knew something had happened because he could feel it. But he had no understanding of the new experience of feeling his energetic body. So is this just the norm for you or was it a serendipitous moment? Well, what I've come to realise is if the universe has decided that something is going to happen, then it will happen. And if you take this into consideration about what I've experienced in my childhood years and teenage years, then it was normal for me. Um, But what happened straight after it was that after that awkward pause, he had all of these types of questions he wanted me to answer. What type of questions? Why do you have healing energy? What does that feel like for you? Have you always been able to do that? I think I was answering question after question until other campers finally joined us and we kept what had happened between ourselves. So that must have been pretty amazing, discovering something like that about yourself in that way. Have you always known you were psychic? And what is a psychic anyway? Actually, I'm a spiritual sensitive, which is a seer. Um, How do you say what a psychic is when a psychic has been altered to mean so many things now? Initially, if you were to go back and look at what a psychic was, it was of the soul. But now, what the psychic industry, I'll put it in quotes, has done is it's tried to make out psychics are anything from someone who provides counselling, life coaching, tarot cards, you name it. So it's really hard to describe what a psychic is in this day and age. So obviously the word psychic is problematic, but it's not something you chose, is it? I never chose to be a psychic. Um, I would say I was a reluctant psychic from early childhood. None of my childhood friends were experiencing the same type of paranormal experiences I was encountering on a daily basis. I would energetically lift out of my body and float around the room. And if I wanted to venture even further, I would just lift out of the ceiling and float above the treetops. So not many psychics doing that back then. 
there were no psychics that stood out in my childhood days who openly demonstrated heightened psychic ability. There was no psychic advertising in newspapers and the World Wide Web didn't exist. So you couldn't find someone who was born exactly like myself. But I've read about people calling themselves six-generation psychics. Surely some of those were around. Well, they didn't exist when I was young. I used to be a really keen reader and was looking through newspapers and books to try and find someone who was born with similar types of sensitivities as myself. And there were no obvious psychics advertising that they were coming from third generations, fourth generations, or even fifth generations. And if you look at just the generation and how they've combined all of that to be over a 30-year time frame, well, you'd be looking at 30 years, 30 years, 30 years, and that's just an average. So if we're looking now at that there are people who are claiming that their family had people doing psychic readings over seven generations, and you'd be looking about 150 to 200 years. So all the multi-generational psychics were kept secret until the invention of internet advertising. Who was around 100 years ago? There was a Theosophical Society and the Spiritualist Churches, but, and they were around for you know, 100 years or more, but they were not doing psychic readings, as we've been led to believe. Um, so where all this information is coming from, um, is, it's really difficult to grasp. And yet, if I go on the web today, I can see literally thousands of people calling themselves psychic. So where did they all come from? Are they really psychic? I'm, I'm doing the word psychic with parenthesis around it uh, because I'm wondering if they really are. I think you're going to find that all of these people who are now claiming to be psychic have been um, told they are psychic because they've attended a course um, where they've gone to a psychic institute or um, followed up doing a tarot reading course and they've just been told that, well, using these type of tools um, makes them psychic. Now, I'm not saying that people who have natural... Um, type of inner understanding of themselves where they're intuitive don't exist but I think what we're witnessing with the large influx of people that are now going on and advertising and saying they are psychic they're even coming from probably Reiki, um, kinesiology and life coaches, hypnotists Yes, the covert hypnosis um, people who've decided to call themselves psychic. Um, you don't really want me to go too much into them because um, I'm not really impressed with their methods of how they have entered into the psychic arena. Okay, a change of subject then. How did you come to work for the first psychic line in Australia? I can remember when I was spiritually guided to work on the first psychic line. Like everything in my life, I've always received some type of channeling. And this is what happened when I was being guided to work on the first psychic line. I'd returned from my walkabout travelling and was living in Albert Park near the bay in Melbourne. 
and I'd been planting some flower seeds and had picked up a newspaper and the first thing I saw was an advertisement about a new psychic line starting in Australia. Was that an aha moment? I was certainly taken aback that my spiritual guardians channeled to work on a psychic line. Um, I'd already been doing face-to-face consultations. So I worked for an American business couple who started the first psychic line in Australia. They had relocated to Melbourne from the United States and I contacted them because they placed a newspaper advertisement in the classifieds. They asked me to come and meet them in their home and I travelled to this leafy green street in Melbourne's inner south and spoke to both the husband and wife and there I was asked questions about my psychic background which I dutifully shared how I'd been doing face-to-face readings and and also that I was guided to work on the first psychic line and I was snapped up and they would regularly ask for free psychic readings to help them build up their business. Really you gave them psychic readings that sounds a little strange I think it's really important to understand how the premium services started in Australia to get a general idea about how everything has just gone so mad with the 1900 psychic lines and, um, yeah, the strange behaviour of the psychic chat owners. So what's the history of the 1900 lines in Australia? The 1900 psychic lines were operating in the United States and in different countries around the world before they were introduced into Australia. So we're looking around the historically around the 1980s and the 1990s. The people in the know who worked in the telecommunications industry knew what a cash cow these information lines really were. Many staff who worked for Telecom, now Telstra, invested heavily into telecommunications service provision and many ex-telecom business executives, engineers, bought into the service provider industry to make millions of premium chat services. But the 1900 lines have ended now, haven't they? As of last year, the 1900 psychic lines actually closed down, but there are some service providers that have got credit card facilities and they're using 1300 and 1800 numbers. The reason why the 1900 numbers closed down was there was a lot of controversy in relation to third parties taking advantage of the system. Right, how are they taking advantage of the system? Some of these third-party service providers, which were approved through the telecommunications industry, were taking advantage of customers. They were charging them for uh, SMSs and texts that people hadn't requested. So what you were looking at was there were all of these unusual charges coming across to customers' phone lines and nobody could account for what the charges were for and how they were able to get away with that type of behaviour. So the 1900 lines were used for lots of things besides psychic calls, weren't they? What were the 1900 lines exactly? So these are the information lines that you used to call to vote for your best singer or entertainer and the help lines. And they also ran psychic and escort phone lines. And sometimes some service providers just combined the two. It was um, what you could only describe as a mishmash of 
well, I don't even know what you could describe it as really because one was a spiritual service and the other one was uh, helping people get, get off on, on the lines. And so the 1900 service providers got into all sorts of stuff. They weren't particularly spiritual, just savvy business people. Well, some of the service providers got their families to enter into the business with them. So you'll find that some of the large service providers were all family run. Um, And this is similar to a lot of the psychic check companies who, um, you know, the brother of somebody who worked in Telstra or someone in the telecommunications industry suddenly found that their sister had become psychic overnight um, when they had invested in 1900 numbers. So what you're saying is that the people who were setting up the psychic lines weren't psychic or spiritual, they were just doing it for the money. That's exactly what I'm saying. I suppose what you've got to understand is that initially there were people who did invest in the service providers but they were contracted. They didn't actually own the service provision information line, so they had to go through these service providers. And when the service providers started to say that the public were interested in contacting them, that's when they decided that they would cut out the middle person, and in this case, the psychic owners, the real ones, and they decided, well, why not just open our own psychic chat lines and um, we'll just stamp out the, the other ones. So in some ways, they, there was some credible psychic services to begin with um, when they first came out. But because of the ruthless and anti-competitive behaviour of the service providers, these genuine psychic owners just couldn't compete with what they were getting up to. So if I were to summarise, could we say there are authentic psychics out there doing it because they're driven to help people and then there are big psychic line owners who will hire and take advantage of anyone, psychic or not, primarily because they see a business opportunity rather than out of any real desire to help people? Yes, and I've worked for some. Um, As I was just revealing um, in the history how I first came to work on the first psychic line in Australia, that became a top business in Australia. But the couple were extremely ambitious and goal-driven and their service provision, psychic chat and information help lines, they just didn't want to continue to run that type of business. So they sold their service provider business to another company and that's how I came to work for the Psychic Cowboys. Psychic Cowboys? Can you tell us a bit about them? So if you go back on why my spiritual guardians were actually channeling that I should work on the first psychic line, it was about people being taken advantage of by these unscrupulous type of individuals and at that stage I didn't really know what that could possibly mean. But after coming in contact with the Psychic Cowboys, I came to realise that they didn't really have any interest in the psychic chat industry, other than it was a business opportunity. And I look back on some of the service provider companies and realise what a valuable lesson I learnt about the character of the people who actually owned the psychic lines. 
So all of this time you're getting experience about the true nature of the business you're working in. I was so trusting of these owners and what I found was that they took advantage of the people who worked for them. Um, They didn't seem to have the right intentions and they didn't treat their psychics who worked for them with any respect. Can you give me an example of what you mean by that? If you missed a call that automatically went through to another psychic, the next day they would get on the phone and yell at you or they would dock your pay. Um, They sometimes would get their friends to make fake calls to ask questions about, you know, the owners to see if you were loyal to the company. It was really bizarre. So for psychics working on the big lines, it wasn't always necessarily so good. Were there any other lessons for you? One important lesson I learnt was from a well-respected psychic owner that's still actually out in the marketplace. And I realised that my pay had been docked or I had got a third of, less than a third of what I was owed. And I remember getting on the phone and um, just saying, well, can you please um, just send me the invoice? Can you provide me with a breakdown of all of my earnings? And I got this gruff voice on the other side of the phone and uh, just really unapologetic. And, And then when I was waiting and waiting for these invoices and they just never came. So all I could sort of take in into account with that was that it wasn't the first time and the reason why I wasn't getting the breakdown of the invoices is because it had been happening on a regular basis. It sounds like working on the lines was a real eye-opener for you. I didn't realise at the time how much that working on the psychic chat lines would reveal the undercurrent of who actually owned the businesses. The way they easily misled their customers making up elaborate stories about their psychic backgrounds and failing to declare they had learnt tarot to do psychic readings to appear more credible. So they just kept changing their images um, all the time to match what was going on in the marketplace. I found there was a lot of petty jealousy about who had natural psychic abilities against those who had trained to be psychic and had to use tools like tarot or angel cards to help them do a reading. And sometimes psychics from other lines would just ring me and cry on the phone because although they were contractors to the psychic chat owners, they couldn't choose their own working hours. And they were hassled to work 24-7 shifts, being docked if they didn't hold a customer longer on the phone for a reading. They basically hounded the psychics. No wonder you got out. How long did you work on those lines and what prompted you to leave? I think in total it might have been about 10 years. I worked for several service providers um, hiding behind the online psychic chat. I was relieved when my higher guardians guided it was time for me to start my own psychic business and to walk away from the petty jealousies and the owner's insecurities and generally unprofessional business conduct. So how did it all happen? I won't go into too much detail, but what happened was I had this spiritual experience where um, I had a reaction, a major reaction, 
to sitting under a mobile tower when I was up in the Dandenongs and uh, my higher guardians had to come and help me to sort things out because I was really reacting quite badly to the radiation and it was at this time that my higher guardians was telling me that uh, to start my own business and the reason was because there was going to be a lot of um, new companies that were about to hit the marketplace that were going to take advantage of the free will of um, people who contacted them. When you say take advantage of free will, what do you mean by that? When you're thinking about free will, you're, you're probably not considering that there'd be people who would be setting themselves up as psychics and using covert methods to persuade customers to enter into courses that they would never have even considered. But these were the type of things that I was being guided was going to happen and it did happen. So I think we probably need to go into greater depth at another time because we're not going to be able to cover all of that now. Okay, and I know you've written a lot about covert methods used to take advantage of people and we will be covering that and a lot more in future podcasts but for now you've broken away from the big companies and you've been working for yourself for over 10 years. I'll bet that's been a relief for you. Yes, it certainly has and thank you for asking me about my psychic background. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Vine. psychic reading with vine wherever you are in australia or the world go to her website vinemedium.com.au